Boston's Freedom Rally for 2018 is history. But who's cleaning up the mess? Boston media and now two Boston city councilors want to make this one the last one. Does that spell trouble for MassCan, or will they try to use the legal system again to stage a peaceful celebration of cannabis? It's been going on for 29 years. It's the end of September, and Massachusetts is still waiting for the adult-use cannabis market to launch. What's up with that? Media and cannabis, can they coexist, and how long will it take for this new novelty of a new industry to finally become mature? Sucks. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Welcome to another edition of In the Weeds with Jimmy Young. This podcast is available on Stitcher, the CLNSmedia.com network, and iTunes. And a video recording is being made as we speak for the weedtube.com. As you know, this podcast is supported by Revolutionary Clinics in Somerville and their new location on Fawcett Street in Cambridge. At Rev Clinics, they pride themselves on being a leader in patient education. Every Thursday night, they have an open class to ask any questions you might have about the industry, the use of cannabis, and anything else related to this whole new world. That's Revolutionary Clinics on Broadway in Somerville and now on Fawcett Street in the Fresh Pond area of Cambridge. Joining me in studio today is a new friend, Richard Guerra. Yes, indeed. I met him at the Freedom Rally just about a few weeks ago on the Boston Common. Richard, thank you so much for coming in today. Ahoy. We do have something in common because we both do work for Sensi Magazine. Publishing, yes. Sensi Publishing, excuse me, publishing of the magazine. Well, we're publishers. Yes, we are associate publishers. That is the official title that is on the business card, correct? Yes, sir. All right. But you are located in Denver, Colorado. Yes. Even though you went to Boston University, you are now in Denver, Colorado. Yes, sir. So the biggest question I have for you, first off, your impressions of the 29th annual Boston Freedom Rally that used to be called the Hemp Fest. Right. Uh, well, so I was there all day Friday, uh, morning to you know evening, and uh, did Saturday a good chunk of the day. It got a little little wild down there. Bodies everywhere. I had to take a take a breather. Um, I just think, because of the mass of people. It was just, they were just starting to come in from all sides. Yeah, it was, it was gridlock. <laughs> it was people, human gridlock for a while. It was, yeah. Um, so uh, I've been going to the Freedom Rally uh, since I went to, uh, first moved to Boston, 2006, uh, uh, Boston University, you know, uh, as a college student at BU, and I think college students all over the, con- uh, all over the Boston area, um, you'd hear about Hempfest, as it was called, um, or and you know you you'd hear that that was the place to go to uh, to you know uh, celebrate cannabis celebrate cannabis absolutely and um, that we did um, and uh, little did I know that over the years of going to that I learned a little bit about cannabis so it wasn't a, I wasn't going there necessarily to get educated uh, as much as I was to get lifted I think in the beginning um, but uh, now after being gone a few years um, and you know the landscape cha- changing nationally and then obviously here in Massachusetts. Um, and getting to become as educated as I have been in Colorado about uh, the plant and the business and everything. Um, coming back this year was really huge for me um, in that uh, it was a new energy. You know, it was it was voted legal in 2016. They called it question four back mm-hmm. then. And here we are years later still waiting for people in the legislature to respect the vote. 
They've had to create a cannabis commission. They've had to create rules and regulations. Can Do you know, based on um, your experience in Denver, no, again, it's only been a year and a half or so that you said you were out there, 13 months. A couple of years. Um, how long does it take between the beginning to a maturation process? And obviously, I'm guessing Denver is mature. They accept the fact that the industry is there. In fact, I think they celebrate it. Absolutely. Very celebrated. Um, it is accepted. Um it is mature, but it's always maturing. I mean, there's still more to be uh, to be figured out. There's still more, um, you know, folks to be kind of un- to be broken down that stigma. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it, and this is years later, you right. know, six, right. you know, whatever it is. I guess it was, uh, you know, uh, and, and I guess where where that leads me is that um, this is just the beginning here. Uh, there, there's so much maturity to come. Uh, so much uh, educating to be done, normalization to be had. We're only scratching the surface there here in Massachusetts and Boston on the East Coast. Um, and uh, it's it, we should be excited, though, to see how it, how it uh, progresses and work on that progress. Um, and so, yeah, it is mature out there. Um, and people are there's a lot of acceptance. And I think that that is because the tax money has been rolling in, changing uh the landscape, uh, you know, a friend of mine just came back from Colorado, Denver and assisting Colorado exactly. in so many ways. And, and he said uh, that the local communities have new roads. They've improved their education. They have taken advantage of the taxation that is built into the industry and improved happily. the community. Mm-hmm. And you see it everywhere. But Massachusetts, as you know, maybe you don't know, but you should know. I'm guessing you know at this point. Um, we love a good cause. We, you know, it, it, the revolution did begin in Massachusetts because we all liked a good cause even back in the 1800s, you know, 18th century, yeah. you know? Lexington, Concord, all that. Yeah, Lexington and Concord and that Tea Party <laughs> thing. That was that big party. By the way, it started with a party in Boston, I might add, right? Didn't this whole, right? That being a little different than the Freedom Rally. But. A little bit different than the Freedom <laughs> Rally, and yet we're, they were fighting for freedoms then. And here is a new industry fighting for freedom and justification. Yeah, making their voice heard, right? And making their voice heard. And, and you know, MassCan, I think, does a great job. Um, in in getting this all together and running it, this is a huge endeavor that I'm guessing takes an entire year to prepare for. So to get back to your original question, yeah, I I, I felt as though it it was bigger than ever. Um, I thought it was uh, m- you know managed uh, pr- production wise, um, even some of the music and and uh, you know uh, and all of that. I thought was a little smoother than years past. Um, you know, there's definitely some more. Uh, for there's some more things to work out uh, as we were discussing, maybe making it uh, even more legitimate of an event, uh, more of an industry event, uh, more so than just kind of a uh, what did you call it? Um, Cannabis celebration. Ce- celebration, but for the longest time, it was also kind of like a you know pushing for rights, whatever. It was something that was like yep. ed- ed- a little edgy. Yeah, it was edgy for a like, long time. Like well, you were you were they were committing an act of civil do- disobedience, civil disobedience by by uh, you know partaking in public on the Boston Commons. This isn't a civil disobedience thing. As I mean, technically, yes, still so, but that's not what it... It needs to move away from being a civil disobedience gathering. Gotcha. In towards... Uh, More of an event. An event and, and, and with a focus on education, uh, a focus on, um, I think, uh, businesses working together, uh, individuals looking for, for work. I mean, work is a big uh, element... Um, that comes to mind as to the maturity of the market out in Colorado and, and uh, what will happen in all these new industries is that, you know, um, things will, t- the, uh, the ethos will change as 
more and more people are working and bringing something to the table, uh, bringing what they do into this new industry because there's so many um, – so many uh, ways to get involved yes. other than touching plants or selling plants right. or any of that. There's so many ways for people to get involved. And uh, and it feels for me as somebody who does media, does writing, marketing, that kind of stuff, uh, sales, whatever it is, it feels different to do those things on behalf of this normalization, on behalf of this medicine. It's a, It feels like my heart's in it. There's some advocacy there. And more and more people will feel that way in Boston as they start to realize that they can do exactly what they're doing today, but they can do it on behalf of these new businesses um, and on behalf of this movement um, and probably make more money doing it. That's right. Uh, and by the way, that's another reason why the new normal is one of the drop lines on Sensi's uh, Boston magazine, Boston cover here. Yes. Um, every month. Yeah. Every month. That it's right there at the, the top of the page. And uh, you can find that Sensi magazine mostly in, in different what I would call both wellness communities and uh, um, hmm, cultural communities, the emerging cultural communities like the various uh, Wicked Chronics out there and Cush Grove right. and all the other stores out there that have um, what used to be called paraphernalia. Huh. Okay, And now there's uh, all sorts of uh, CBD legal products that they can uh, sell as well. Uh, let, let's talk a little bit more about the Freedom Rally because, again, media loves to embellish and sensationalize. They should. The headline should have been, and this was mine and Dan McCarthy, our editor in chief, as we were kind of musing on it live. We did a little live video for a couple minutes, and yeah. and he asked me how I felt about it as well. Yeah, and it was smiles is what came to mind because I, when I as I was there, it was just happiness abounding, like people of all sorts all backgrounds, hanging out there, most of them because they're pro-cannabis. Some of them are maybe they weren't. Maybe they, they just stumbled across the event. But even those people were having an awesome time because the energy was just palpable and it felt uh, like people didn't have to be afraid anymore. They didn't have to be hiding their pro, yeah. their, their, uh, their pro-cannabis uh, you know, I ideas. Did, I did not see one member of the law enforcement on we the common them. in no. the two days that I was there. We I'm talking about them. inside. And a lot of times in the past, they've been outside looking to actually hassle the people who went to this event. But now law enforcement has taken on the role as a educator. And they don't want to have to walk up to somebody who's smoking a joint around the corner and write them a parking ticket because that's the penalty for it. Mm. <laughs> they want to tell that person, look, you're doing something illegal. I'm going to let you go because you probably don't know that. Just put it out and, you know, do it in your car or a parked car, excuse me, parked car. Right. I don't want to advocate uh, un under the influence driving. No, I, uh, but, but it was, it was, you know, that was kind of my last point about it is I thought it was just, um, there was a lot of love uh, being, you know, it was just it sounds as cheesy as it sounds. People were were happy to uh, be hanging out with the kind of people who maybe in downtown in Boston and, you know, they would nor on the bus on, you know, they would normally give them a dirty look maybe or they'd be a or they'd be judging them. Right. You know, because there's so many different types of people in the city. Um, you know, I took public transportation for 10 years out here and, uh, you know, interacted with and communicated with people from all over the world, uh, all different walks of life. Uh, it's truly a melting pot community. It really is because you've got the hospitals and you've got the colleges and a lot of new industries coming. Biotech, what have you, is in this area, too. So you do. It does lend itself to diversity. But it, there's also a, a, a lot of 
old school puritanical thinking that goes on here until they get educated. And I keep going back to the education process because even at the uh, Freedom Rally this year, the Education Village was kind of behind one of the performance stages. And we were outside of where it was happening, mm. where every and, and I think that um, one of the things we'll talk to Maggie Kinsella about, the press secretary for Mascan, who anybody who's in the business knows her and, and really likes her, um, will be how can we get the educate lead with the education, perhaps not the party. I guess that's the, what I'm going to talk to her about. You kind of agree with that or what? Right. We mentioned that before What we should well. do is have a big sensi night on the common. That's what it should be. I mean, I'm imagining that as well. So, yeah, exactly. Um, as I was at the Freedom Rally, it, there's booths, there's, there's businesses, there's people uh, handing swag out. Sounds like a sensi night to me. Um, you know, there's some music. Uh, it's free. That's what we do. But um, there's, it doesn't turn into an all-out, like, you know, it, does, it doesn't turn into a party. Yeah. Um, People are having a good time um, at a Cincy night. Um, they're looking and, to do business, but they're, yeah, they're, they're they're there to do business or to learn um, and to uh, connect, and that's what we need. Um, that's what we need people doing at the Freedom Rally, absolutely. And they were doing that, um, but I mean, how do you think we could we could uh, we could? Well, move, it, you know, I'm only going to uh, because the only experiences that I have in the cannabis business have been NECAN, the New England Cannabis Conference, in March, when I kind of decided, okay, I'm going to do a podcast, see what happens. Um, Canacon, which is the more national conference in the summer this past year. But what I noticed about that is a lot of people not from Massachusetts running that thing. And and by the way, you got you had to pay to get in both of those entities. Sure. Right? That changes everything. It changes everything. It, it you know, it, I hate to, I'm not going to call riffraff. I'm, I'm not going to call, but it definitely uh, filters the crowd. It filters the crowd. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, I would like to see more education. I would like to see more crowd uh, interaction rather than just hanging out and getting high. Let's talk to these people that are on the Hill. Let's hear their experiences with cannabis. You know, now that you've been around this business, I can't tell you, if I had a dollar for every person who's told me cannabis has saved my life, those who suffer from epilepsy, Mm -hmm. those who suffer from chronic pain, those who suffer from um, seizures or anxiety or a lot of different ailments can be helped by cannabis, by the chemicals in it. And they're still just scratching the surface about what they know about this little plant mm-hmm. because it's a Schedule One drug. There is a movement to get that out of the way, I mean, at we, least. If we were to, I mean, not that there there is education present at the Freedom Rally. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are panels, I think, and and people doing uh, speaking into the microphone at, at some of these stages. Right. But uh, I guess maybe the way that the stages are located, like, right. they're and not the, exactly like you can hear music right. when you're hanging out in the main drag with right. all the thousands of people going right. to all the booths, but. It's not exactly like you kind of got to go over in front of the stage or over by the discussion where the discussion is happening to get your education. Right. Um, If we were essentially like, I mean, what would be the worst that would happen if we were educating people um, into uh, microphones, into stages that were more uh, centrally located, perhaps Uh in the common? Like what would happen? Would people just decide to leave? And would that be a big deal? Like, you know, I guess that. Uh, there might be some strategies as to how we can 
move this thing in more of a direction where it is about education um, and it is about uh, connecting and, and, and speaking to people in the industry versus speaking to people who are just about like getting high. Right. Um, and what would happen? Well, maybe less people would come there to get high. And, you know, as we talk about sensing, I like why it is such a, there's such a focus on uh, business um, and connection is that we don't have the ability to allow consumption in those spaces. Um, we do them inside pretty much every time. Um, and those, those spaces are not allowing consumption legally. Right. So that is the difference between the Freedom Rally and a Sensi Night is that it is open consumption. People, that is why, you know, it's over outdoors. half the people are right. there is right. to get high. Right. You and don't come to Sensi Night to get high. Right. It, you, some people do, and then they're a little bit let down, I think, but then they get, then, but they end up in, by the end of the night feeling like, wow, I didn't expect to feel as, uh, they they you they just get educated and right. they, and they feel inspired to and get involved and yeah. I think that that's what we want maybe even the freedom rally to be about is I, all over that place it should be like how can you get involved in not only in this movement and in, but in this industry and like how can you uh, you know find work or well, how could you lend your hand in that kind of right thing? and actually one of the first things that the industry keeps leading with is make sure you vote and know what the candidates are, whether they are pro-cannabis or not. Find that out. Exercise your right as an American citizen and vote in elections, okay? Just midterms. Throwing that, oh, is that happening? I don't want to say anything. Those are the ones that people yeah. don't vote in, but those are the ones that- Very important If you ones. don't vote in, then the laws aren't going to change. That's right. <laughs> you no, can, you can get a president you, in if there. If you then. truly want to make a difference, <laughs> just vote. That is the most important thing you can do as an American citizen. Um, we're talking to Richard Guerra. He is a, an associate publisher of Sensi Magazine out of the Denver, Colorado area, but also went to school in Boston. You know, you're talking about public events. There's two other public events that Boston is famous for. Um, and I know for a fact that you can actually smell cannabis if you walk down the streets of the Boston Marathon and the head of the Charles, which is the rowing regatta in Love the fall. Uh-huh. And by the way, Beautiful. back in the day when I was a college person, because I did go to college, Tufts University, here in the Boston area, awesome. the Hemp Fest or Freedom Sorry. Rally did not exist, but the head of the Charles did. And what we used to call that was, it's a big drunk. Mm. Okay, because people went and got they do go drunk. get drunk at the head of the drunk, and it's part There's of entire the, drunk area. It's a right? part of the culture. Okay, uh-huh. and this is the thing that bothers me the most about the those who are prohibitionists, those who you know have their heads in the sand, and don't realize that there's there is so much more poison and harm in alcohol that has been part of our society and culture for decades than cannabis. Alcohol is 114 times more toxic than cannabis. Mm. You can die from ingesting alcohol. You cannot, and nor has there ever been a documented death because of too much cannabis in your system. Now, granted, (laughs) granted, these edibles, everybody has an edible story. Everybody recognizes that it's more powerful and you have to be important. You have to know to start low and go slow. But that is called responsible use of an adult product, which is exactly how the alcohol industry is marketing some of these these days aren't they we can do it i i was a uh, not a drinker um for i don't know i'm a, a close to eight years uh i kind of quit drinking around 21 uh and recently in the past year i started to you know allow- Wait a second, you stopped drinking when it was actually you actually qualified to drink pretty much okay i had been i had not been smart about it up to that point okay uh, as a young person um 
But uh, all that time off through that was it was pretty much easy to stay away from it because of how daunting it was um, for me and my own experience, but also just how prevalent it is in society. Um, It just seems like it would be so simple for me to find myself in a precarious position with alcohol. That's a big reason why I stayed away from it. Um, You could get in trouble. That's what you're saying. You're trying to avoid the trouble by avoiding what caused the trouble or was one of the causes. Sure. I mean, plus, you know, during that whole period, I was I was always very frugal and it felt like, oh, this is just going to be very difficult to not spend all my extra money on this. So that made it easy. Can I ask you a question? First of all, how old are you? 30 years old. 30 years old. Okay, so college was only 10 years ago for you or 12 years ago for you. Mm. Um, You've already established and you're comfortable admitting that you actually were an underage drinker. Why do young people, and I'm talking about underage people because I have been around underage people, uh, high schoolers for a long time. I've taught. I've worked with young people as young as eight years old now into the college. Why are people using alcohol only to get drunk. In other words, they have this, well, you have this feeling. That, but I, I, my, point, my point is yeah. you can have a drink and not get drunk right. it's you, a, and it's enjoy just, it. Yeah. Well, and that's what I've learned now. So I can, well, to finish what I was saying, I can go, transition into that answer. Uh, recently, I started drinking again, a uh, very, very small amount. And I mean, I really keep it, I keep my tolerance low. Um, I, I, I'm conscious of how a little bit affects me. And, um, and I would never – I'd have no interest in getting to a place where I'm, I'm out of control or I can't drive or something like that. And that would be an awesome way for public hap- – you know, the head of the Charles to go down. A lot more people drinking that way versus, you know, just flying off the handle. Drinking so, to get drunk. Right. So why do young people do that? Well, I mean, why do old – Old people do it. I mean, every. I don't I, know of that I, many old people these days that are actually <laughs> drinking to get drunk. And and usually, and I will tell you the other thing is older people. Right? Old. Well, I mean, I mean, I'm 61. You can call me old. It's okay. <laughs> I'm I, I'm comfortable with that at this point in my life. I all will right. Not. Well, <laughs> you know, my brain is still infantile, but my body is definitely <laughs> geriatric. All right. You heard it here. Anyway, yes, indeed. <laughs> I'm not afraid to admit all that. Um, Richard, let's talk about Sensi Magazine and and actually what you do okay. for them and what is when you walk into a non cannabis business. And you say that you are from Sensi Magazine. First of all, do they know what the magazine is and who it is? Uh, quite a bit of businesses in Five the out Denver, of ten, Denver, ten Denver out Boulder of ten. area do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we've been around almost three years there. Um, we've got ongoing events all the time. We're involved in, in, in all kinds of things. Um, is the and, ma- and we have ma- we have twice as many magazines all over the city every month. Uh, so I think that uh, we have had a large impact in that short period of time to an extent where, yeah, people who aren't working – uh, and, and the other thing is that a lot of people who aren't don't have cannabis businesses, more and more and more of them actually are utilizing cannabis or hemp products. Um, so just because they they uh, see the benefits a, of it, just because they don't have a cannabis business doesn't mean they're not a cannabis person. Correct. Um, I get that. I so, get that. So what was your question? About so that? I, I, I how in other words, are you warmly received? And, and the follow up question of that is. Mm-hmm. Is traditional media in Denver, I'm talking newspapers, radios, uh, television stations, Mm -hmm. are they covering Sensi Nights as a news story at all? Uh, Not so much. In the beginning, were they? 
I can't say. In the beginning, I was an attendee. So when I moved to Colorado um, over two years ago to Denver, um, few months, maybe a month after I moved there, I ended up at a Cincy night. It was mm. one of the first Cincy nights, and it blew my mind. I took away so many different cool items, and I learned about all these brands and all these different types of businesses and different types of products, and my mind blew, and I just was hooked. Yeah. Um, and that's what happens at Cincy night is somebody new, somebody who just moved to that city shows up at that free event, and there's this massive inspiration, and next thing you know, they're in the industry and they're focused, and that's what happened to me. Yeah. Um, and I can actually say the same thing. My first experience with Sensi Night is when I met Ron Kolb mm-hmm. at uh, the Royale, and we're going to have another Sensi Night there, October yeah. 9th. Yes. And that's going to be fun because I'm actually going down to do a site survey because I hope to bring in the weeds on the road at Sensi Night. Love it. And yeah, live I love, I love what you're baby. doing. I love what you're doing live at events. Good job, Jimmy, for Appreciate sure. Appreciate that. Well, um, but if somebody told me once to do what I do best, and I go, okay, I was a talk show host, a sports guy, and a teacher and a coach. So I guess that's what I'll try to do. So I think, but since he got in, we got involved in Denver, particularly a little late in the game in the sense that, that it was like almost three years ago, but there were already a number of cannabis magazines in the area. There had already been, been events, uh, lots of conferences. So it wasn't this big news story when we started throwing Sensi Nights and doing our thing in, in Denver. Um, whereas like Sensi Night in Boston, Sensi Magazine in Boston, it's like nothing has ever happened like it. So right. so media is touching on it. And well, is, well, is we'll featuring. see, because I did not see any traditional media at the first Sensi Night. I was blown away by that fact, a little embarrassed by my mm. former comrades, I, I might I, I guess that I think maybe I, what my impression is, is Dan has done his best to bring... Dan McCarthy bring, is an awesome... Bring, in, bring this into... Yes, he has. And I've opened the doors over at New England Cable News, my old stomping grounds for him, and he's been a great advocate for it on a lot of their shows. Mm-hmm. And the other thing about Sensi that I love is it really truly is a lifestyles. It's talking about the emerging culture. It's how do people use cannabis to do yoga or exercise. Yeah, we're keeping it simple. We're not, we're just, we're sticking with that. Right. Uh, and, and we're sticking with, uh, just some content that'll, um, educate you on what you want to know about, uh, mm-hmm. in your, your local area that month. Mm-hmm. Simple as that. What do you got going on in the area this month? And, uh, what can you learn about, um, and educate yourself about the cannabis and hemp uh, plant, or the industry, or the um, you know the, the the culture and the and the social um, structure in general. Uh, and that is what makes all the difference. That is how we're normalizing. It's just it makes sense because we're able to uh, gradually. Uh, bring some of those people that are on the outside in. Yeah, you do, you're really doing a lot of selling of the positive aspects of cannabis by telling stories about it. Positive stories. That are relatable. But, right. To but, somebody who maybe, you know, is but, on the fence about whether or not they want to support it or they want to use it. But the media's product is audience, and they are looking for sensational stories about it. And The amazing thing is there's so many PTSD survivors, cancer survivors, people who have used it and have incredible stories to tell. Mm -hmm. You don't hear about those stories that often in traditional media. I will give an exception to Dan Adams, who's on the cannabis beat for the Boston Globe. And, of course, our friend Dan McCarthy, the managing editor. Chris Ferrone of the Daily Dig. And Chris Ferrone also of the Daily Dig, absolutely. In fact, uh, you know, they were the first ones in, I I think, anyway, to be pro-cannabis. I do want to go back. Well, go ahead. Sorry to interrupt, but uh, the you know I'm trying to answer some of these questions. It's taking me a while to get there, but um, the traditional media, uh, non-cannabis businesses, where we do find uh, blockage, um, 
and uh, this is ongoing and why maybe they're not featuring this stuff and why uh, we may get a door shut in our face um, still um, is that uh, larger organizations with shareholders, um, corporate structures, um, you know, lots of lots of locations. Uh, they they operate in a bunch of states. All that I just described is pretty much got a big like red X over allowing uh, any of this to be associated with what they're doing. So buying an average. So, for instance, uh, any of the larger uh, real estate organizations, um, larger financial, um, you know, but, but there's a, a brokerage organizations. Right. They are just like, even though it would, they're the people that work for them are working hard to try to sell real estate and financial accounting and whatever to cannabis businesses. They are, but can they get an ad out in our magazine? No, because the organizations that they work for have nationally said no can't happen until federal legalization is what they all say. I don't so, think I don't think it's going to be federal legalization. I think it's going to be descheduling it and allowing the banks to actually do business with the industry. Do you think in that'll happen country. first? I think that's going to happen in the next I have read many things about this, and there is a movement already in Congress, yeah. obviously has something to do with the midterm elections. And after that I do think I'll, I'll go on record. I'll do it. What the heck do I care? Do I have any credibility? Oh, I like musing on this. Yeah, first quarter, futurist. first quarter, twenty nineteen. I think they're going to try and deschedule it. That's what I think they have. Do to they do. want? Do they want a bunch of uh, people doing you know traditional business to make more money? Um, well, I, I think because they will. You know, do they want to? Do they want to like? I just don't think that Richard, they don't need it to worry. It has to do you know, with money. Right. A lot of money is going north of the border to Canada, which is going to be legal in October seventeenth. Americans don't like to be second or third, and they really don't like losing money to another country. So I really believe, again, that there will be a movement to deschedule the drug federally because that will open up research opportunities for schools. The University of Mississippi in this country is the only one that I know of that actually gets federal money to do scientific research on cannabis. Israel is leading the world on it because they recognize the importance and the the complexities of this plant. I, They're I, doing amazing things, yeah, I, absolutely. I, I, I talked to a chemist yesterday uh, who, who's with a dispensary, Al, Alternative Compassion Services, on Elm Street in Bridgewater. I'll give him a little oh, plug yeah. there. Plug him I'll give him a little plug. <laughs> um, I was fascinated with his knowledge of chemistry, of the different chemicals that are in the plant, and how important that is and and why when you ingest the product differently it affects you differently because your endocannabinoid system uh, gets fed through a different means inside your body i think that's the simplest way to explain that are you explaining things to people still out in denver uh, i mean i'm learning still mm -hmm. uh, absolutely and that was what you know prior to going to denver um I, I hadn't really ever been educated about cannabis in the slightest other than, uh, you know, some of the different strains and how to di how different ways to smoke it. But uh, and in that way, I was scared of it. Um, I because I, I, I just put all edibles and all flour in the same category. And so anytime I had a rough go at it or something, you know, some real high anxiety moment, it was like the whole thing got blanketed as this scary thing. Gotcha. And, and I you still, weren't scared about alcohol. I mean, you mean at a young Using, age? at a young age, yeah. At a young age, uh, and I appreciate. I was your scared of it. Okay, I was. I was, but but that's the thing about young people. As you asked about, um, you know, folks that are underage, 
their like fear doesn't isn't paramount. What's <laughs> yeah. paramount is fitting in. Uh, Everybody else is doing getting it. friends to like you. Uh, being, it's cool. Yeah, so it is cool to binge, right. uh, and that's the issue. Um, and it is cool to uh, to get your hands on. They on these think things they think it's are, cool to binge. By the way, I'm not quite sure that's a great thing, but yes, I get what you're saying. Right, I yeah. get what you're saying. So you know, in regards to cannabis, yeah, I was um, I was uneducated before I moved there, and then uh, quickly. What, one of the perks of being in a mature market is that you want to be mature too, uh, or at least I did. I wanted yeah. to not be immature and uneducated about this stuff. So, you know, since the events and, and other, uh, other events um, and just generally hanging out and bumping into and having conversations with people that work in the industry quickly got me to a place where I, it was actually cool to be educated. So I wanted to fit in more too. So how I did that is I learned about all the different uh, you know, the differences and, and different, um, you know, essentially the big one, the big one for me is like, here's your CBD, here's your indica, here's your sativa. Like, let's start there. Uh, and then start to figure out how you on a personal level are affected by those different things. Um, and then, you know, figure out what works and what doesn't and what settings, uh, because it's going to be totally different for you than it is for anyone else. And we talk about that a lot in Colorado. We constantly are saying that out loud, reminding each other, uh, because it does make for a, a more educated person uh, and user, which then makes for um, somebody who can then spread that information. And then the normalization comes from that, too. Like it, it becomes easier. People are not as afraid of it when they feel like they can um, get their hands on something that is safer than just taking and smoking anything, which is kind of how people have been using cannabis in Massachusetts forever. Forever, right. Until exactly they still right. do, where it's like, oh, well, yeah, I'm a weed smoker. I smoke weed or I use cannabis or whatever. Right. Uh, but, you know, they they don't, they're not necessarily, they haven't had the ability to, from the guy that they're getting it from on the street or whatever, to be like really specific about what they're getting and how it's going to affect them and then why they're going to use it. Right. That's um, the whole point of regulation. That's the whole point. So you can track this from seed to sale so that people will know exactly what they're putting in their body and what is it, the expected effect of that. Super important. Really and truly. And it's responsible use. That's, I think, where you're going. Just like it's responsible use of anything yeah, that we, is oh, yeah. adult over 21. Yeah. Use your head. Yeah. That's, Absolutely. That's, Make good decisions. That's what every, that's a good parenting thing to tell your children. Make good decisions. You can party and you can, you can get uh, lifted and psychedelic and have fun uh, for longer and you, and you don't have to give it up and you can kind of do it forever as long as you put in that extra work to get super educated about yourself and those things that those, uh, you know, substances that maybe you're, you're messing with. Um, and then you can, through some effort and intention, you can get to a place where you don't go overboard and you're not going down a, a road that's going to hurt um, and going to cause you or others pain. And then you can, it's sustainable, you know, that fun thing or that like, you know, or being edgy or having, you know, uh, or, you know, experimenting and that kind of thing. Um, right. And we can, we can look at uh, lots of folks who had to bow out. Oh, I, I used to do it. You know, I used to be like that. Well, I have, I have I, a dear friend who had a bad experience when they were a child because it was unregulated and they put some angel dust in his weed and he never wants to go back traumatizing. to it again. Oh my God, totally. There's a lot of trauma associated totally. with substance use. Right, absolutely. Um, I've had, I had traumatic moments um, in misuse uh, and that's what led to, uh, you know, me taking breaks or abstinence, things like that. And 
Um, you know, but I, I personally have, uh, through my education of substance abuse uh, and substance use and uh, just general responsible use, which is something I, I went, I've been involved in uh, AA and NA. Um, I've been, in, I've had a substance abuse counselor at one point. I, I took my, I took that like that pain that I felt at a young age after all that underage misuse, and uh, you know I got I, I abstained completely, and I I put in this attention to uh, to uh, feel better really, um, and to figure out why things were bad for me because, and then in the, and then I looked around from that clarity, and I saw so much misuse and miseducation and pain and and death really for a lot of these people in the society from from those things and. Uh, and I want us to be healthy and happy, and I want us to be strong as a society, and I want us to to not be bogged down and progress to happen. And so I, you know, I just started to see within, and then at the same time, I want my friends and my family to be happy. I don't want them to be depressed and anxious and and you know and and addicted. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I put in the work to uh, to do some education uh, about how it works um, in our brains and in our bodies. That's a very important element too, is that, and that's what we, what we are educating people about, about cannabis is how does cannabis affect your brain and your body and your systems? At uh, both over 21 and under 21, because there have been studies uh, on that. And it is when the brain is developing as a teenager into your early twenties, it is, you are more susceptible to um, negative results from use from use that 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 has been researched mm-hmm. and looked at and we certainly and it it's certainly volatile. makes sense You're, uh, you know but you volatile. as an adult are still responsible for what put you put in your body and in how much you put in that's your right to do whatever you want to your body i believe no government can tell me what to do but the drug war body. has from us from a, for me in the dare culture and at a very young age um but just for everyone and you know what the what we have heard from uh you know government agencies or law enforcement agencies is it's so been so much about don't and no and you better not and this right. is a crime right uh, and and that's it then they leave you to that that's what that's what they serve you as far as uh they're what they're going to give you right uh, but that what does that get you? It gets you afraid. It gets you ashamed. It gets you if, like scared. You know, if just, you're a teenager, you know, it makes you want to try it even it gets, more, and it gets you stoked on it. Yeah, right. But that isn't what. Well, what about uh, like? Tell me, I don't. When I'm a teenager, you tell me I couldn't do something. It's the first thing I went out and did. Okay, right. we thought, as you said, we're invulnerable. Nothing's going to happen to me. You know, that's the mentality of the immature brain, if you will. All they had to do, if I look back, and this is what I try to do for anyone that is a young person that I know and what I think we could be teaching students in schools instead is, you know, if they had just come at it from an angle of it's happening, it's a part of our world and our society, substances and substance use and medicine that, you know, affects us in all these different ways, and it's going to be a part of your life. Either, either on a personal level or with your parents or with your friends. And so let's not try to cover that up. Let's make it very clear that's, that's happening and it's coming. And maybe it already is a part of a young person. Some kids are utilizing substances that are addictive uh, due to their prescriptions. That, you know, that their doctors old. gave them. So, that their doctors gave so them. So let's teach children and, and all of the whole society. I mean, we should be having PSAs running on, you know, just... I'm amazed. There should be a whole channel where you just go to the channel on the TV and you can, you know, learn how it works and how these substances are going to affect you. And you can educate yourself on how to to avoid the pitfalls and uh, and just do it the right way, potentially. 
Um, and and uh, and that would be cool. It would have been cool at, at like 15 if I had been communicated to very clearly about, yes, you're going to get drinking. Here's how you do it in a way that doesn't hurt you and others. Uh, here's how it works in your brain. Like that made all the difference for me to maintain, uh, you know, uh, whether it was sobriety or, you know, utilizing something in a really smart way. As soon as I learned how it worked in my brain and then how that affected my life, super easy to, to be smart and responsible prior to that. You know, you got a big question mark on how does it all work? And, and all you do is listen to your friends right. who also don't know how it works. Right. And then there's this weird like generalization happening about everything all the time. And it's just, and, and, and everybody tends to talk about a drug um, as if it affects everybody the same. Yeah. Oh, this is what that does. This is what this does. Right. That's not that's the exact opposite of what's going on. Right. You know? Hey, uh, let me, uh, let me, uh, one last question. You are a Boston University alum. Did you ever think that you'd end Ooh. up in the cannabis industry? Uh, so I went to Boston University um, for uh, journalism, went to Com, uh, and uh, was going, you know, ham on uh, learning about uh, newspapers and uh, and all that. Um, I took away from that that uh, media was kind of a dead thing, or print media was a dead thing. It didn't really seem like uh, a future. It didn't seem like there was a future there. No, that's kind of what, it, in some ways, I took away. Uh, so. But that was what I was passionate about, and that's what I cared about. And that, and why I cared about media and journalism is that I care about the country a whole lot. I'm, you know, big into uh, this world being a better place. Um, so I've always seen that correlation with journalism and media. So I want to see journalism and media pushing things forward, and I want that to be where my my work is. But I kind of had to get out of there because it just wasn't work. It wasn't bringing me anywhere sustainable. Um, and then I was just kind of wandering about and I'm like, Oh, I love live music. I love art. I worked in hospitality for a long time, restaurants and bartending, things like that. All of which was awesome, but none of which was like as big of an, uh, had as much of a purpose and a mission as that journalist mindset that I had. Right. And then I, but then I came across, um, legal cannabis and that movement, um, and just generally that medicine. And then I saw how. Uh, a, pro- a progressive movement for cannabis and hemp can affect uh, the criminal justice system. We can fix things there. Uh, the prescription problem, we can fix things there. Just generally, like, uh, bringing people together around this medicine. Uh, to improve their lives. Also great. So what I found in this is purpose again um, nice. and, uh, and, a, and a mission. And I found myself, oh, man, I've actually been an advocate for this my whole life actually, or since I ever smoked, you know, because, right. uh, yes. And so now I feel super blessed and I was like, you know, it was just meant to be that I would be involved in a, uh, a media organization doing print journalism. Right. Wow. Like, I, you know, I, it was just mind-blowing to see <laughs> – um, how we've been able to, uh, r- you know, work it out where we can, we can build these things and they can just keep happening. We can, uh, you know, pay real journalists and right. not just do the fake news thing. And then at the same, at the same time, normalize this awesome, beautiful advocacy, uh, for a better future. And so I, uh, did I think that what was going to, that was going to be what was happening? Uh, I mean, not, not, not really, but at the same time, it makes total sense because, my heart's been in the uh, the game of uh, moving this communication, this and community, and right. this country forward in a positive direction. So I like that. Here we go. Well, <laughs> this is uh, Sensi Magazine, Boston, and uh, 
and written a lot by Dan McCarthy. There's also a great open letter to Robert Kraft, the owner of the Patriots, and cool. that was penned by somebody that used to be a former Emmy Award-winning sportscaster uh, at some point in Boston in there, too. And we got uh, Cincy Night coming up, right? Yes, October 9th. That's at the Royale. I'm going to try and get this podcast out as quickly as possible so that we can uh, wave the flag a little bit of all that. Just go to the next page. You, you saw it. You, you figured it out, didn't you? Yeah. Richard Guerra, thank you so much for coming in. I really am also going to commend you on the honesty and openness that you shared with the audience regarding your own personal use. That takes a lot, and I, and I respect you for that. we got a lot of people working for Sensi that um, have uh, had that kind of a story as well. We find a lot of that uh, openness in our organization, and that was what you know, really locked me in with the, what good. we do. And it is the Cannabis Business Association's publication of the year, which I really love to talk about, uh, considering it's That's still a very cool. young yeah, we're gonna, publication. We're going to get a few more of those. All right. Well, this has been uh, In the Weeds with Jimmy Young. And yes, this podcast is available on clnsmedia.com, Stitcher, and iTunes. And a video recording is available on the Weed Tube. As always, we are supported by the Revolutionary Clinics in Somerville and their new location on Fawcett Street in Cambridge. At Rev Clinics, they pride themselves on being a leader in patient education. Every Thursday night, they have open classes to ask any questions you might have about the industry, the use, anything else related to this whole new world. The new normal, if you will. That's Revolutionary Clinics on Broadway in Somerville and now on Fawcett Street in the Fresh Pond area of Cambridge. For Richard Guerra, I'm Jimmy Young. Thanks for listening to In the Weeds with Jimmy Young. Thanks, Jimmy. Thank you. In the Weeds is a podcast produced at the studios of Little Park Media in Wellesley, Massachusetts for the listening enjoyment of our audience. None of the opinions or advice on this program should be considered medical advice or a substitute for seeing a certified medical marijuana practitioner or your local physician. All opinions and thoughts on this show do not necessarily represent the management of CLNS Media Group or Little Park Media.